So what I want to talk about today is, who are you? Who are you? That's my title. I was on a plane and I was flying some meetings that I had to go to and I read this article in a magazine and in that magazine it said that Sean Penn who was a actor played in a movie called All the King's Men he plays the role of Governor Willie Starks a Huey Long type southern ruler there's a particular scene in which he delivers a fire and a brimstone point as he is ranting and raving in his speech. His hand is raised. His face goes flush. And the camera pans to the backdrop. And the image of the man is greater than the man himself. The image... that's on the backdrop is greater than the man himself. And what intrigued me about this article is what it said next. It simply said, maybe it's only the image that matters. Maybe it's only the image that matters. This seems to be the motive and the driving energy of our world today. It's all about image. So many seem to be concerned about image. And they say, well, how do I look? And they're really concerned about what others think about how they look. Because truly, your image is what everybody sees. The color of your hair perhaps the color of your eyes, your complexion, your height. They look at your occupation. They look at your clothes. They look at your house, the car you drive, and the wealth you possess, the people you hang with, political status you have. But really, the real question is, let's get past all that. Really, really, who are you? Who are you? you. You're not your car you drive. You're not your house you live in. You're not the people you hang around with all the time. It doesn't matter what color your hair is. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. But who are you? Many times we're concerned about the people and what they think of us and not so concerned about what God knows of us. We're concerned about what people think of us more than we are concerned about what God knows of us. See, we seem to put on this this image so that everybody can see. But yet the reality is there's much more to you than just what you see. Who are you? We're going to take a moment. We're going to pray right now. We've got a a sister over here that needs prayer. Come on, church, right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is right now, Lord God, we release your healing, the power, the touch of your spirit right now.
by the authority of your word in Jesus' name. Whatever it is, we come in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, church, lift your voice, lift your voice. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. An image, as we want everybody to see, but let me just say this to all of you, that is not a reality of who you really are. We cannot hide our life from God. It doesn't matter if you've been raised in the church and you've got a Pentecostal pedigree. Just because you're in the church, raised in the church, doesn't give you an entitlement to the things that God is doing among us right now. Oh, I wish I had a witness right here. And if you're a new believer, I'm telling you that the level of this road is balanced and the level of this road is all the same there's no uphill downhill big eyes and little use we're all in the eyes of god equal amen and there's not an ethnicity difference there's not a difference in the background and the 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 family you come from no 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 we are all in the eyes of god children only saved by grace Come on, somebody help this preacher. Amen. We need to know that there's more to us than just what has happened to me yesterday. There's more to us than a broken marriage. There's more to us than the abuse we've been through. There's more to us than that. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. You cannot hide from God. We may not see what you are, but God knows exactly who you are. We may not see where you are, but God knows exactly where you are. We may not see your trouble, but God sees all of your trouble. We may not see and understand, but I'm serving a God that understands every part of your life. And he's here to say, I want you to proclaim that I am a child of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Allow me to break this down. In 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, in the first verse, the Lord was speaking to Samuel the prophet. And he was grieving over Saul, who had rebelled against God. Saul was the king, Samuel was the prophet, and Saul had rebelled against God. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. You sit around and you cry over a king that made a decision to walk away from God. But yet it is affecting you. He says, I want you to get past some things. 
Samuel, I've called you to be a prophet, not to sit around and mourn over those that just don't want to be obedient to God. Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse, that Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Are y'all with me? He said, I have come to anoint a man who will stand in the place of the past failures of rebellious men. Amen. We're praying for you, sister. Amen. Listen to me very carefully. I want your attention. He says, I have come. God is saying to anoint a man who stands in the place of the past failures of rebellious men. He says, I am looking for a king that lives not by an image like Saul. A king will be replaced. A king that had no heart with a king that has a heart. A man that looks on the inside while one, Saul, looks on the outside. The real question is, Saul, you don't know who you are. But David, I'm looking for you. Because you know that there is a call on your life. I just wish somebody here would bear witness with your pastor and say, I know God's got a plan for me. I know God's got a purpose for me. He has written me in his book of destiny that I might go forward and fulfill the plan and fulfill the anointing and fulfill the call of God. I feel the anointing coming on your pastor now. Amen. Somebody needs to shout hallelujah that this is my hour. This is my time. It's time for me to arise out of my ruins and recognize that God is looking for me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Who are you? Who are you? Are you just an image? Or can we just be real today? When God was anointing another king because of the rebellion of Saul, he was looking for a David. God calls on the prophet Samuel to go to Jesse's house to then summons the new king. Jesse had a son by the name of Eliab. In the 16th chapter, in the 6th verse of 1 Samuel. And it says, And it came to pass, when they were come, that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointing is before him. Hmm. And even Samuel looked at him and said, Man, this, this young man, he, he looks anointed. He looks like a king. He's built like a king. He talks. He walks. He smiles like a king. He looks like he's the one. He is definitely the image of a king. By stature. He looks a lot like Saul. I think he'd be a good king. He looks a lot like Saul. How's that going for you? 
image, image, image. That's when God had to put Samuel into check and says in the seventh verse of the 16th chapter, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance. Look not on his image or on the height of his stature because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. God's saying, I don't need an Eliab. I need someone that's got it on the inside, not someone who just has an image of what it should look like and what it could act like. No, just because you're Pentecostal doesn't mean you got to get something more than just saying, I'm Pentecostal. I go to church. I was raised in the church. Amen. And I go every Sunday, and I'm with mom and dad, and I go to the altar. I teach Sunday school. We need more. We need more than just sitting around and just patting each other on the back because we have the image. God is looking for someone that has the heart of God. Jesse prances seven more sons before Samuel. No, he's not the one. 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 No, no. And they all thought that they should have been the one because aren't we of Jesse's house? Don't we go to the Pentecostals of Phoenix? Aren't we the chosen? I want to beat that spirit to the dust today. Amen. Well, aren't we saved? Well, I'm not really sure about that on some of you. But you know, he's not the one. He's not. Why? Because it wasn't in them. They dress like it. They talk like it. They walk like it. They lifted their hands like it. They sang the songs when the songs were being sung. He said, no, 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 no. I haven't chosen any of them. Jesse. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got any more boys? Yeah, I got one more. But I know he's not the one. He's the little one. He's scrawny. He's skinny. He's fair-skinned. Where's he at? Well, he's taking care of the sheep. On the other side of the mountain, I think God looked at that and said, Wow, if he can take care of somebody else's sheep, maybe he can take care of my sheep. He had the heart, uh, not the image, the heart. I'm going to tell you when backsliders start coming to the house of God. When we start seeing people walk in those doors and they're from all kinds of different lifestyles and we see them walk down to this altar. Oh, I'm talking to somebody. When we see them walking down to this altar and we say, well, they don't look like us. They don't talk like us. You're right. They don't. God is still looking for a heart. God is still looking for somebody that still has a desire to live for him. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
Come on, I wish you would get on your feet right now and just give God a little praise. Come on, give God a little praise. Give God a little praise. Amen. God's getting ready to do something in this house today. And I believe he's going to give you a revelation that you need more than just your image. Ah, you may be seated. All seven sons of Jesse had the image of the king, but were not qualified to be the king. Had the image to be a king, but were not qualified. Just because Daddy Jesse chooses him doesn't mean God chooses him. Why? Because we're not chosen by man. How are we chosen? Well, we're chosen by God through our heart. That's why the Bible says that David was a man. David was a man. Oh, I wish you'd get with me here. You know the Bible better than this. David was a man after God's... After God's... I can't hear you after God's... I can't hear you after God's. It may look like king stuff, but I want to make sure that's qualified, not by you, not by a preacher, not by my friends, not by my mom and dad. Jesse can think that I'm called, but I need God's approval. I need God to look down and say, I'm looking for me a David that will fall in love with me. Not a Saul that will reject my word, but a David who will embrace my word. Ah. 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 Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter and the 20th verse, he simply says this, where is the wise where is the scribe where is the disputer where is the disputer of this world hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world he's simply saying where are the disputers that have a heart to stand for the truth. Not afraid to stand in the face of wickedness. Not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Saved with purpose. A people that are intentional. Not willing to pour water on the fire to appease others. Where are the disputers? When they say God is not real, I'll stand and I will dispute it. When they say going to church is a waste of time, I'll stand and I will dispute it. When the devil says you're worthless, you need to dispute it. When the enemy says you will fail, you need to dispute it. When Satan, the father of all liars, tells you you didn't get the victory, you need to dispute it and say, I got the victory. I got it, I got it, I got it. 
got it. And I'm not going to let it go. I am not ashamed of this thing. I am in love. I am in love. I am in love with a God. I have the heart for him. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Ah, somebody shout hallelujah. For I am not ashamed in Romans 1.16 of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What that means is it's for everybody. something else we need to deal with not necessarily just your own image but we have a propensity to follow people and what we think they are until we are following their image and we're taking advice from people that are not what they appear to be that's why in Matthew, the 7th chapter, in the 15th verse, Jesus specifically said, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Be careful, be careful, be careful, because the image will deceive you. They look like sheep, but they had to kill a sheep to be clothed and to appear as a sheep. Sheep killers look like sheep because they use the sheep's hide to cover their own sin and their own nature. Look past the image. Peel back the skin. Take off the cover. Then you'll re see the real them. They kill sheep to clothe themselves. It's an image it's an image of sheep. But inwardly, they're ravening wolves and full of wickedness. See, if you only go by the image, you'll never understand the nature. That's why the Bible says, try them. Try the spirits and know. Have you ever been around someone when you just walk in, you know something's wrong? You just feel it. There have been times when I've walked into the devil's den and felt the evil spirits all around me. But as I walk in there, I say, Lord, them enemies coming in like a flood, but I'm going to walk right through this because you're going to raise up a standard. I'm not talking about people just going to church. I'm talking about people that are in the church. I'm not talking about people that just raise their hands. I'm talking about the people that know why they raise their hands. I'm not talking about people that just sing the song. I'm talking about people that have the heart of a song. Ah, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about people that can walk right into the devil's alley and say, I claim this in the name of Jesus. I claim that in the name of Jesus. By the power and the anointing that is on me, I shall walk through this and I will defeat the adversary of my soul. 
Oh, hallelujah. Some of you that are worried about leaving because you've got an image to uphold, I'm, I'm hurrying along for you. But I won't apologize. I feel like there's a word here for somebody. I believe there's something here today that we all need to do a little self-reflection and ask this question, which is my title, Who Am I? What am I living for? Am I living a Saul spirit? Or am I living a David spirit? Am I living just to look like I'm part of this group or part of that group? Or am I really in love with God? Uh, man, my heart is heavy today. Italian Renaissance artist Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel ceiling between 1508 and 1512. These paintings are his interpretation of the biblical book of Genesis, the story of creation and of the world. In the center scene, in the center scene in mobile paintings, God appears in human form as he gives the breath of life to Adam. And then the scene above it shows the first woman, Eve, as she emerges from Adam's rib. He was considered as the renowned master artist. He also painted other pieces of great mastery. Michelangelo often painted with a brush, though. Listen to this. A brush in one hand and a shielded candle in the other. He did this simply so that his shadow would not cover the masterpiece that he was painting. He knew if the light was behind him, it would cast a shadow. So he made sure that he held the light up against the canvas as he took his hand and with great skill would make the strokes of that paint upon that canvas. He wanted to be sure his painting was pure from anything outside of his creative mind. He didn't want anything interrupt the masterpiece he was painting. The question today is how many times have we cast our shadow on his masterpiece? Casting our image on his plan. Casting our image on his anointing. Casting our image on his glory. Therefore now, our image 
is covering the masterpiece. The light cannot be behind you. It must be in front of you. Nobody takes a flashlight and puts it behind them to go down the road or down the trail. They know that the light must be before them. Oh, I could preach an hour on this alone. That is poison. The question today is who are you? Are you one that is willing to shield your image so the light of Christ can shine to a world that needs to see Jesus, not you? And so many times, and I'm guilty of this myself, I, I am, Brother Helms, I, I, I sometimes look at me Look at me. Look how good we are. Look, look, we got great talent in this church. God help us. That we never get to the place where people have to get through our image to see and witness and experience the divine glory of God. When God shows up, what we need to do as the church, get out of the way. Let God do what God does best. When that sinner walks in the door, don't be critical because they're sitting in your seat. Don't look at them because they're doing a different way than you are. You ought to get out of God's way because the Spirit will lead and guide them. Let God do a work that you cannot do yourself. <laughs> what do people see? When they even look at us. I don't know why I'm so heavy with this today. What do people see? I'm telling you, I have a burden more than I've ever had in my life to see God do something great. And I don't want it just to happen in this church. I want to see it all across the world. But God has been dealing with me and saying, Rob, you're trying to take too much credit for the things that I'm doing. You need to back up and get back down on your knees and get out of the way so that people do not see you, but they can see a Christ that is among the people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to remove anything that stands in the way of the light. Because anything that stands in the way of the light only creates an image, a false sense of security. Because there's no life in the image. Hebrews, the 10th chapter and the first verse, I'm just about ready to conclude here today. It says, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. He points out two things. He says, the image and the shadow is not perfect. 
Then he says in the next verse, For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. He said, if they only lived by an old law that only gave them images, then it could never purge them, and therefore they could never become perfect in Christ. Not perfect in you, perfect in Christ. Then he goes on to say, fourth verse, for it is not possible that the blood of the bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he says, sacrifice an offering thou wouldest not, but a body but a body hast thou prepared me. He said, while in the Old Testament they lived by image, but the New Testament, he said, I prepared them the body of everything that they foretold of. They saw this image and said, there's got to be something. And they get looking down from dispensation to dispensation. They started looking through their prophets. And they started looking even in the New Testament. Then when Jesus shows up in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of a sudden they get the glimpse of the glory, of the reality, of what all of this is about. But they really never understood it. Peter said to Jesus, oh, you can't go to Jerusalem and suffer. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan, for the things you love are of men. For you don't understand. You're still living by an image. That's why, Brother uh, Wilson, he says that who do men say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, Peter said. He said, right, 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 right. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this. Why did he say flesh and blood? Because flesh and blood was still an image. And that's what Peter was holding on to, this image. And so Peter says, why do you have to go to Jerusalem and suffer? And he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Because he was still holding on to the image. Peter was wanting to know who's going to open blind eyes when you're gone. Who's going to unstop deaf ears when you're gone. Who's going to heal, raise the dead. Who's going to do all that when you're gone. He's still holding on to the image. But Jesus said, flesh and blood hath not revealed this. But my Father, which is in heaven, that's why he says, now a body he prepares that you might see the glory and the image of God. Let's all stand. He says, a body I have prepared. Then he says, six verse, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast no pleasure because image is only the outline of the object. The shadow is not tangible. But when Jesus comes, he says, I prepared a body that you can behold the glory of the only begotten. Mm. That's why it says in John 2, 2, 1 John, and he is the propitiation for our sins. He's the one that stands in a place to give you something tangible, something real, something that can save you, not by a law, but by a spirit. I'm not really sure who I have preached to today. 
But I believe there's some of you here today that have been questioning who you are. You're going through an identity crisis. And you'll continue to go through an identity crisis until you are able to identify with the one that created you in his image. So as we open these altars, the one thing I'm going to ask you to do, if you decide to come down here today and give your life to Christ, and you open your heart to receive his spirit, I'm asking you to put everything aside. Put everything aside. And say, God, today it's just you and I. That's it. No conditions. God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. No, none of that. Just simply come down and say, here is my day to recognize that God has put himself in this place. And I can be touched by him. And I can touch him. You say, well, pastor, how is that in a spiritual sense? Because you live by faith, not by sight. The supernatural is in this house right now. The supernatural is in this house right now. Hallelujah. So quickly, if you feel that you're the one I preach to, I'm asking you to quickly step out from where you are. Come down to this altar as quick as you can and move in here as close as you can. Come on, come on. Quickly, quickly. Move in here as close as you can. As close as you can. And as you come down, I'm going to have the church come in from behind. So move up close. Move up.